jump into the epic world of Avatar The Last Airbender with Nickelodeon's official companion podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. Rise and shine, football fans. Start your day the right way with Morning Footy, a podcast that covers every aspect of the global game, headlines, match previews, analysis, interviews, culture, fashion, and plenty of banter. Join as we track the thrills and spills of Europe's biggest title races, the business end of the Champions League season, a summer packed with international competitions, MLS, NWSL, and much more. Subscribe to Morning Footy. The Late Show Poncho with Stephen Colbert. Hey, everybody, welcome back. Folks, my next guest is an Emmy and Peabody Award winning journalist, author, and podcast host. Her new book is called Our Hidden Conversations. Please welcome to The Late Show, Michelle Norris. Uh, lovely to meet you. It's course, so good to be here. I recognize you, and, and, and our folks at home might recognize your voice as your time as co-host of NPR's All Things Considered, but now you have got a new book. It's called Our Hidden Conversations, What Americans Really Think About Race and Identity, which is over a, a decade mm-hmm. in the making. How did this start? It started with postcards. Uh, what do you mean? I wrote a book about my family's very complex racial legacy. Mm-hmm. I was going out on a 35-city book tour, and I thought no one wanted to talk about race. I thought people would rather eat their toenails than talk about race. Mm-hmm. And so I thought I, I need an invitation for people to enter this conversation. My parents were both postal workers. Maybe that's why I thought about postcards. I could support the U.S. Postal Service. But I went to the local print shop in my neighborhood, and I printed up... 200 cards, and I started leaving them everywhere I went. Like, just like you would leave it at a coffee shop or you... Leave it at the sugar station, at the Starbucks. Yeah. Leave it in a Bible at a hotel. Leave it in the little little pocket in back of an airline. Leave it in the kiosk at a restaurant. Leave it on a seat. And what would it say? The postcards all said, race, your thoughts, six words, please send. And people started to send them in, and the intention behind that. You had to find a pen, you had to find a postage stamp, you had to find a mailbox. I mean, we were sort of moving away from snail mail at that point, but pretty early, people were already starting to pack a lot into just six words, saying things like, I'm only Asian when it's convenient. White, not allowed to be proud. Well, we've got, we've got some of them right here. You want to... Oh, okay. uh, we'll, we'll read through a few of them to get a, people a sense of the things that you were getting back from people. How many, ultimately, did you end up getting? We have archived more than 500,000, and... And we are getting more that come... And most of them, I should say, most of them come in digitally now through the website. Okay. I was going to say, that's a lot of postcards. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay, you start. Can't pronounce my name? Try harder. My son's not half... He's double. And you wonder why I'm mad. Lady, I don't want your purse. We don't match, but we're family. Black, gay, successful, a family's shame. The only Jew on Easter Sunday. Indo-pack sounds like camping gear. (laughs) I wish the voice would stop. Underneath, we all taste like chicken. (laughs) 
That's one of my favorites. That's my favorite, too. <laughs> so, what did, well, well, what did you glean from these 500,000 offerings? There were a lot of lessons. The big one was I thought no one wanted to talk about race. It turns out a lot of people do. They're just looking for the right place, the right on-ramp, a space where they can have their say. Um, a lot of people write not just about headlines, things that are in the headlines, they write about their personal life. So if someone is writing about over-policing in America, if they're writing about immigration, they usually don't, if they're writing about, you know, a big change in the world, they usually don't write about the thing that's in the headline. They write about their son. Mm -hmm. They write a story about their commute. They write a story about what it feels like to live in a country that suddenly feels foreign to them. Well, the, the book itself is not these six-word answers. It's that and, and, and many other. There's photos and essays that accompany them. Um, I'm not going to ask you what your favorite one is because that's too difficult, but is there a story that particularly surprised you? Well, I'm surprised every day. I mean, I'm surprised that people took the bait, so I'm always astonished. Yes. But there were, there were stories that just hit me. There's a chapter in the book called Black Babies Cost Less to Adopt. And it's hard to even say that out loud, right? But we learned that... That's six words. Yeah, it's six words. And it's a story, and we did a lot of research and realized that in America, the fees associated with adoption sometimes vary based on the skin color of a child. That's really sort of ugly stuff. Some of it is too... So there are market forces. Yes, there are market forces. And, And altruism, people are trying to lower the price to incite or to... in to invite more families of color to participate in adoption. But there was a story where someone said, I wish he was a girl. And it was a parent who, after watching the grainy police footage of Tamir Rice getting killed in front of that gazebo in Ohio, she didn't know what to do. She was crying. She didn't want her son to hear her in the next room. So she went to her computer and she typed those six words. And she sent them to the race card project. Now, of course, she doesn't wish that her boy was a girl. She loves him. This was years ago. He's now off at school. Did you meet this boy? I, I, I met them together. He didn't know she sent him this story. I watched her tell him how and why he sent that story in. And then I watched him tell her that all the lessons that she had given him about the talk, about how to comport yourself, she, he explained to her, when I go to the grocery store, when I go to the 7-Eleven, I often am... It's almost like Claude Steele's Whistling Vivaldi. I'm, I'm humming classical music. I'm extra friendly, you know, to inoculate people's fears. Because when she sent that six-word story and he was young and now he's, he was eight and now he's 19. And he goes out into the world as a young black man whose color sometimes arrives before he does. So he always feels like he has to be jolly. Mm-hmm. So people he has to project him. what people will perceive of in his eyes as harmlessness. Right. Well, at a time when there's a lot of uh, resistance to diversity programs, yeah. and that's turned into a bit of a political cudgel, and there's also a resistance to teaching in our schools uh, American history and, and American racial history, what, what do you think people get wrong about race and identity in America? Well, on the teaching of history, I think they get wrong the idea that we can outrun our history. I don't think we can. I don't think we should. I think um, diversity is sort of a word that has become weaponized in some ways. And what people get wrong is that diversity is not an ugly thing. Diversity is one of the beautiful things about America. That... That when you... Thank you. That when, when you create diversity, you don't have to lower standards. 
It's about widening the aperture, not lowering the standards. I'm gonna say that one more time. To create a diverse space, you don't have to lower standards, you just widen, you just look for a larger pool because talent is equally distributed, opportunity is not. You also host a podcast. Yes. And it's called Your Mama's Kitchen, where you interview people like Jose Andres and Michelle Obama and our old friend John Baptiste about their family kitchens, what yeah. they grew up with. Are there any connections you find between this project and uh, this book project and your podcast? I'm glad you asked that because I didn't think there would be. The podcast was going to be the area of my life where I didn't talk about race. It was going to be this, you know, other project. And many of the discussions actually wind up being about identity in some way, because that's, that's where identity is sometimes formed, in the kitchen. It all happens in the kitchen. You have to... You are what you eat. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and in the kitchen is more than just finding nourishment through food. Mm-hmm. It's where we have our loudest arguments. Mm-hmm. It's where we have our loudest laughter. And often those things live in us years later. And so we ask this, every episode begins with a simple question. Tell me about your mama's kitchen. And the answers go in all kinds of directions. I mean, well, when you think of your mama's kitchen, what's the first dish you think of? Fried fish. Mm. Um, I, too, grew up Catholic, so we ate fish. Oh, Fridays, on sure. Fridays, you know, every Friday. Well, my mom Friday. didn't fry it. It was all Mrs. Paul's. <laughs> <laughs> well, wait, no. Your mom was a better cook than mine was. <laughs> no, no, no shame in fish sticks, though. No? How about this shame? My mom would uh, smother it with a heated up can of condensed tomato soup. Okay, all right. Mm. <laughs> tomato soup? The condensed uh, tomato soup, like, you know, Campbell's con- tomato soup. That and condensed the fish soup. sticks were she in the soup? And then she would pour it over, because I think there might have been a connection between Paul's and Campbell's. And it was, my mom did not make any dish that wasn't a picture on the back of a package. <laughs> She had 11 kids. She was All right. Just well, she, to get you know, and she had throat. to get right. Right. Yeah. She was. That was an assembly line. You have to come on the show and tell us about your mama's kitchen. Oh, I line. would love to. How about me and Evie? We both come on. I would love that. That sounds good. Michelle, it was lovely to meet you. Thank you for being Thank here. You so much. Our hidden conversations is available now. Michelle Norris, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert. Just one more thing. If you want to see more of me, come to the Late Show YouTube channel for more clips and exclusives. Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are. Leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu.